one more time. Everybody's feeling fine. Here we go now. Here hey, 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 here we go. And sync has got no, the flow. No, Shaking Industry has got, has the, got flow. the flow. Magic has go. got the flow. The flow. Where is magic? He is definitely avoiding this podcast as anyone smart would be doing. And thank God we don't yeah. have smart listeners who actually stay with us and listen to us. And thank God, because we're not smart either. So it's like kindred spirits. Here we go. Well, listen, you know, listen. Welcome to Shaken and Disturbed, everyone. I am Darren Carp here with John Thrasher, a.k.a. Magic's father. Still, mm-hmm. if you are a patron saint of Shaken and Disturbed, and you're seeing this video. If you're sussy right radish, now, specifically, yeah. If you're sussing out with a sussy radish on this Patreon feed right now, you see that my background is mysteriously just well, my guest bedroom. And I'm waiting for John to give me an update on my background. Which here's the so update. Diligently promised to me. You know me. I am the king of saying I'm going to do something and then Not. thinking I have more time to do it than I do. Correct. Or some more time to put it in the mail than I do. Right, but you don't like to communicate that to me. You just no. overpromise no, and no, no, deliver. No. That's exactly. You. Welcome yeah. to my life. Exactly. But Darren, today is not that day because I have made a background for you. Oh. And I wanted to text. Yeah, I know. Let me. Oh. There we go. Oh, thank you. I wanted to text you so badly about how excited I am about this background. But I wanted it to be an authentic reaction, an authentic surprise for you. Okay. So it's not really that crazy, but I spent some time on it and I'm just happy about it. So I am going to upload it into our Zoom chat right now. Okay. You can download it from there and then upload it to your Zoom if you want to right here on the show. I think okay. it's probably the best way to do this. And by the way, if you're listening on our show and you want to see this, you do have to be a sussy radish on our Patreon feed. By the way, it's our top tier. It means the most to us if you do that. I know not everyone. Listen, do what you need and to do, whatever yeah, you can totally do. totally fine if you can't. All yeah, good. we love it. But you guys that are Sussy Radishes are our biggest fans. So go and watch it there. So, Darren, I'm sending it to you right now. Maybe just glimpse it, download quickly, and then upload, you know? And then I'll explain some of the details later as the, as uh, as you upload. It's, it's, it's like circling right now. It's like okay. trying to. Okay. Oh. oh, here we go. Okay, okay wait. Um, should I save as file? Yeah, save as to your computer, to like okay. your desktop, and then you'll I'm go. I'm seeing to... some good things. Okay, you're from far I'll, away. Okay, I'll be on. able to explain. Yeah, for all Zoom of our listeners. Background, saving it. Okay. S and D. Desktop or whatever. Save. Go to your preferences. Okay. Go to my prefies. And then I believe it's very it's exciting. Background and effects. Background, and then there's a little plus sign over on the right where you can. Add your... image. All right, guys, you're seeing this happen on, on in real time on Patreon. This is all very exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Open that. Okay, we're getting an update. Let's see. Oh, did did it work? It looks like you might have frozen. Can you see me? Wait. You're a little frozen. There it oh, is. There it we is. Go. Welcome here to we your go. room. Wow. Okay. You might want to move back a little bit. Yeah, I want to explain everything that we're seeing here. Okay. Yep. Wow. Uh, I've oh, I see the cat butt tissue holder. Has the cat butt in. tissue holder is in Darren's virtual room. Is that headphones? I see a pickleball paddle. Head, headphones for because you're a, you're a podcaster. Pickleball because apparently you play pickleball now. Okay. I'm good. Okay. Okay. And then we're gonna look over here. You've got the New York State flag. You've got California State flag. You've got you and me on Watch What Happens Live. You've got Andy in the center, who who is a big part of your life, and you would definitely put a gigantic photo of in your house. I'm taking a picture of this. 
And then Nadine, you and Nadine on, on the far left. Now, cat butt tissue holders available. Now, Darren, if you move a little bit I mean, this to... This is pretty good. You like this? Move I a do. little bit to your, like, towards the headphones. Towards the headphones. Because you have a pair of Crocs, your black Crocs that I got you. Oh, are back as well. Wow. That's I, right. I, I feel like this definitely fits our personalities more. And mine's like a little, I have like more stuff. You definitely do. I added a lot know? more stuff to yours. I need to like maybe dress mine up a little bit. I'm really are you noticing I'm impressed. Any, are you noticing anything else though? I think maybe we should just do because the okay, the the yeah. floral the floral that I've added to your your room here I've is all some, marijuana. I've got some. Oh my god, you're right. Oh my god, marijuana there. Mar- um, so marijuana here. Yep. Yeah. In mar- a vase. And yeah. marijuana here. Oh a little hidden. God. Well, there's also if you look. If you look here at mine, I have these two little, like, beautiful little fall foliage, and then there is yeah. a marijuana leaf in between for you. So, listen, you and you and in, you indulge. You are in a I legal co- state to indulge. You know, love this, John. Do you love it? Oh my god, I love it. Thank you. Finally, our friendship. Finally, pays off. something. You know, friendship pays off. But oh I my think god, this, this is so worth it. This oh, really it. completes the whole video. I think now for I both feel like we're us. in podcast. We finally figured it out. Right. I am the after 300 image. episodes. Yeah. But here's the thing. My shaken and disturbed is backwards yeah. for me. Is it not for you? It's not for me for the recording, okay. but I Great. think you can set that in your preferences as well. If you need to adjust it for yourself, but it looks oh, I like it. We're different. mirrored. Yeah. Oh my God. I love this. Thank you, you so enjoy? much, John. You're the best. Yes. You know, you're so welcome. And I was like adding things like the headphone, the pickleball. And I was like, well, I have to put the cat butt tissue holder in there. So I found okay, I needed one to make it on. If it wasn't yeah. going to be magic, I needed to make. That's true. I can't believe you found one. I know I found one and was able to remove the background and just like plop it on. I your can't little... believe you did that. Yeah. This is awesome, so, John. I love you. Okay. I love you too. And I think I'm going to um, dress my room up for next week as well. So, you know, we'll have to see what, we'll have to see what comes and goes, you know, cause not, you know, no one's room every looks the week. Same we every should week. make a little game, like <laughs> what was added or removed, mm-hmm. you know, I guess. And that. if there's anything you want to add to your room, text it to me. I'll put it on no problem at all. Okay, because the only thing that I'm thinking I need to add yeah, right is now yeah. is like a Pez dispenser or something. <gasps> Ooh, that would have been so good. You know, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll work on it on. next week. Yeah, yeah. We'll workshopping. There you um, go. Should we get into this week's case? Let's get into this week's case. Sorry, guys, cool. we set this up for all the visual watchers. So if you're not, uh, if you're like, what are they talking about? Please do yeah, um, join us on Patreon and check out our backgrounds. Okay, Darren, let's get into this week's case. So Springfield, Massachusetts, it's one of the oldest and most historically significant cities in New England, actually. It was founded in 1636 during the American Revolution. And today is actually the third most populated city in all of Western New England, with over 155,000 people calling it home. Now, it's known as the City of Firsts. Springfield was the birthplace of the very first American gas-powered automobile, which we're moving away from apparently because everyone's going electric, myself included, and Darren's dad included. By the way, does your dad have a blue Tesla? He does. That's right. Me too. So white we talked. Interior. Oh yeah, yeah. You, he got the white. Mine's black. Because I like remember when you texted me, I was like, "My dad has that." That's right. Duh, yeah. I'm stupid. Never mind. Um, Springfield. <laughs> Springfield was the birthplace of the very first American. Um, oh, as I mentioned, the automobile, the first published Webster Dictionary. That's interesting. The game of basketball, which I know Darren used to play. Didn't you kind of try that out? I want to say years ago. A little ago? basketball. Little basketball. Yeah, no? little basketball. Okay, I uh-huh. thought for sure you did. 
Um, I just assume all lesbians are playing all sports. Yeah, no, again, you, know? you hate women and you, right, you hate Right. Thank right, you. Right, yep. right, right, right. And even one of America's uh, most beloved children's authors, Dr. Seuss. However, between the years of 1995 and 1998, life for women in Springfield was more like something out of a horror novel rather than a children's book, which is terrifying. Oh. You know, I'm also thinking life for women in, uh, you know, during the Salem witch trials, I'm sure was not a very fun place to be living up in that area as well. Well, during a three-year span, nine women were brutally raped and strangled, some even in their own homes. You know, nine women out of 155,000 people, that's a lot. That's like a pretty big number of of rapes and murders. Yeah, at least because, it, you know, you, you'd think that you'd kind of, it's only in a three-year span that this happens. It's not like yeah. over the course of its entire, like since 1856 or something like that, or right. 1600s. But it does feel like that's kind of a lot. It also feels like Springfield's not that huge i mean it's funny because springfield's always like that any town usa there's like a springfield right. in every state you know there's a springfield in new jersey there's right. a springfield everywhere um this does feel kind of like a lot especially for a three-year span in, yeah. in something like springfield massachusetts probably not for new york city for example but yeah. that is nine million people so right i'm thinking it's gonna happen more calm new england yeah. casual yeah. americana type of type of towns here well Nine lives were brought to an untimely end at the hands of a man named Alfred Gaynor. Alfred Gaynor was born December 10th, 1966 in Springfield, Massachusetts. Not much is known about his upbringing other than he was one of several children born into a poor family. As a young boy, he started working manual labor jobs after school to help support his family, but he dreamt of one day becoming a mechanic. And by the late... Yeah, and by the late 80s, he had accomplished this dream by apprenticing at a car shop, eventually earning him his own full-time position. I now, like trades. Like, I think trade schools should be probably encouraged more because they tend to be recession-proof, and it's something everyone needs. Everyone needs a mechanic. Everyone needs an electrician. Everyone needs a plumber, yeah. a carpenter. I mean, these are kind of the things that make people go around and round, and so I think those should be encouraged a lot more. It's actually a very smart profession to get into. Yep. Um Especially with AI coming, you know, yeah. it's like AI can't fix your to broken toilet, guys. Let's put yep, it that it way. Can't unclog a drain, not yeah. yet, at least. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but in his early twenties, um, Alfred began suffering from addiction to narcotics and alcohol, which would mm. then lead him to losing his mechanic job, which is tragic. But his drug of choice became crack cocaine, and his addiction would continue to lead him down a troublesome path. Alfred found work where he could as a handyman, making money under the table doing odd jobs around town, but his addiction became more severe as he continuously spent all of his money on drugs. Mm. He found himself homeless, often sleeping in drug dens or on friends' couches. So, Not an know, uncommon story for someone who's addicted, probably, where it just becomes so much about getting the next fix and less about true. everyone else around you, including yourself. Yeah. Uh, so crack had begun showing up in the inner cities of America during the 1980s. This is sort of that crack baby phase that everyone, you know, this is like the Nancy Reagan just say no campaign really came out. People were very anti-drugs, the war on drugs, a much more affordable drug than its counterpart, um, cocaine, which is its which it's derivative from. It soon became an epidemic that swept the nation, hitting especially hard on poor African-American communities. And this is one of the sort of reasons during the 80s um, that people thought the drug war was actually very racist because crack cocaine and cocaine are essentially the same. But white people did cocaine. Black people did crack cocaine. And they were only coming down on crack cocaine so you're, now that you're saying that it's i'm remembering and like that's ringing a bell sadly right it just like the weed epidemic became 
bad because that's what Mexican people were doing. Right, turns out. Right. That's what they sort of smoked. And so this is so the drug war has always kind of had these roots in racism, in my opinion. Yeah. But the rise of crack, res- <clears throat> excuse me, resulted in a devastating wave of drug related violence, police brutality, racist legislature to further demonize the very communities suffering from the epidemic. I've talked about this before. I mm-hmm. hate the war on drugs. Now, Alfred began frequenting a part of town known as Worthington Commons, a popular place for drug users to make a score. Today, the area is well-kept, an idealistic neighborhood with with recently renovated Victorian architecture. But during the late 80s and early 90s, it was a hotspot for drugs, prostitution, and oftentimes violence. If you're a New Yorker, for example, this was very true of Bryant Park, of Thompson Square Park, and then they privatized these parks, and now they're beautiful and really kept, and you don't really see any drugs in there anymore. Now, the number of unsolved murders, especially targeting women, was at an all-time high in Springfield, and many began to wonder if they had a serial killer living amongst them. Mm -hmm. Nine rapes in the matter of three Mm, years in this town. Vera Hallums, however, did not let this fear stop her when a 22-year-old Alfred appeared on her doorstep on April 16, 1995, asking to spend the night on her floor. Mm, She saw a young man in need of help, and her motherly instincts kicked in. This is the difference, I think, between a lot of people. You know, some people just want to do good and they only see about other people. Other people react to things of just, which I probably would hear of just like, absolutely not. Even though I want to help you, you can't come in here because I'm too scared. Right. Now, Vera was a single mother of two who worked hard to provide for her family. She allowed Alfred to come inside and offered him her living room for him to sleep in. I mean, talk about this saint of a woman. I'm not sure this is a good decision, but she's still very, her intentions were right. And in the middle of the night while she slept, he crept into Vera's room and attempted to wake her up. When she stayed asleep, he then hit her over the head with a metal pan to ensure she remained unconscious. Uh, Oh, okay. He then tied her hands together and raped her. Then he Mm. beat her to death and left her apartment after robbing her of any valuable belongings such as cash and jewelry. Way to pay it back. Vera's body would not be discovered for over three full days, considering she's got two children. This is especially tragic. Fortunately, her children were not at the home at the time, thank God. And the autopsy showed that she died of significant brain injury. Vera's death would remain unsolved until several years after Alfred's arrest. So these kids are suffering. This is just a horrible circumstance, especially for someone who's taking advantage of people's kindness. Now, granted, he didn't force entry in there, uh, Mm -hmm. which makes it even probably harder to kind of come to grips with, you know, Um, but it's just sad all around. Yeah, and it would be over two years before he struck again. And in that time, his addiction continued to grow and take over his life as he became more desperate for each high. After the brutal killing of Vera, Alfred got the taste of a new kind of high. And on June 15th, 1997, Alfred met Jill Ermolini. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Um, Jill was also addicted to crack, and the two had been partying together throughout the night. Alfred lured her into a parking lot under the promise of more drugs, but instead he beat her ruthlessly, robbed her, and strangled her to death before hiding her body in a truck, which was parked in the lot. Soon to be discovered by its owner later that night, by the way. Alfred began picking up momentum throughout the year, claiming another victim a mere four months after that killing. On October 24th, Alfred found himself parting with another young woman named Robin Atkins. Robin was 29 years old and addicted to cocaine. The two spent the night getting high uh, until Alfred attacked Robin in an alley downtown. I don't mean to make a, a joke about any of this stuff, but the whole Alfred and Robin thing, it's giving me Batman. You know, there's Robin, there's Alfred, they're just names. As as long as Bruce doesn't show up, exactly. Really tragic details here, but he, um, you know, he beat her, he raped her and strangled her to death. By the way, 
we're seeing a consistent pattern here. Are the police picking up on this? I hope they are. Um, you know, he did all this oh. before. Yeah. Before leaving her body in the alley, he robbed the cash out of her wallet. Less than a week later on Halloween night, Alfred met 38 year old Joanne Thomas. Joanne had put her young son to bed after trick-or-treating when she invited Alfred into her home for some drinks. And now as Alfred drank, he became more and more violent. Um, you kind of hear about this a lot. I feel like people that are addicted or uh, frankly have mental health issues, you know, sometimes drinking can, can stimulate the more aggressive parts of whatever you're suffering from. And so I feel like I, we've heard this so many times on the show. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know what the circumstances are like, because right now I'm thinking like he must have hid his addiction pretty well, cleaned himself up in order to kind of gain the trust of complete strangers, especially women who were kind of willing to yeah. let them into their personal space, if you will, whether it's a walk home or, right. you know, over to their house. So it's kind of interesting how he sort of presented himself because you know, usually people who are all all for the drugs, they're not really thinking about how they're presenting themselves and they're just kind of going for the drugs. So it's right. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And he attacked Joanne, making a mess of the living room. Alfred then beat her, sodomized oh. her, and strangled her. He carefully positioned her body on the couch and covered her with a blanket. Now, this is interesting because the way he disposes of these bodies has been different each time. It's almost like a whatever the circumstances call for that, you know, which you don't really hear from. Usually you sort of hear about a consistent, you know, we're, we're seeing these consistent ways. Right, of, like the same or, bite marks, the same places or, you know, their legs placed. But maybe this is his way to evade police, because to your point, you're like, right. why aren't the police picking up on? It? And it's like, well, if there's no real trail or consistency, yeah. then why would they assume it's the same person necessarily? Well, that's true. Of the fact that it's happening in a, a, a town, you know? Exactly. Well, Joanne's downstairs downstairs neighbors would later report hearing the whole ordeal unfold, saying he heard someone screaming in pain and a loud thud followed by silence. Ugh. That's exactly ne the not uh, exactly the opposite sound you ever want to hear in Never. succession, kind of thing. Yeah. I know. The next morning, Joanne's young son would be the one to make the horrific discovery of his mother's battered body. That's so tragic. Upon investigating the scene, police found a substantial amount of DNA evidence left behind. Semen was found on Joanne's body as well as on the carpet, a towel, and various other items around the apartment. Fingerprints were also found on a glass not matching Joanne or her son. Interesting. While the initial discovery of, his, of this DNA wasn't enough to immediately solve the case, it would later come back to haunt Alfred, as you would probably imagine. Because if they're not hers and it's not her son's, it's it definitely leads us suspect. to a suspect. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it definitely leads us to someone. I mean, I will say this is the importance of kind of keeping, for obvious reasons, evidence safe even for years later because the technology totally. gets better, you know? And so even totally. though you might not be able to do it now, in 10 years you might, and it mm -hmm. would at least bring justice to that family and the victim. Well, the periods yep. of rest in between kills were becoming shorter and shorter as Alfred continued spiraling out of control. He still, however, managed to remain undetected as well as known and well-liked throughout the community. That's what I'm sort of impressed with. He's able to kind of be this functioning mm -hmm. addict uh, of something that, you know, visibly people can see. Alfred right. was able to successfully lure women time and time again because by most accounts, he was a friendly and rather harmless person. He used his charm and notoriety in the neighborhood to hide the violent double life he was leading. It's almost was like hiding in plain sight. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, 
if you're able to go trick-or-treating with someone and she thinks that at the end of the night, once her son goes to bed to invite you in for drinks, then right, like she's he's disarmed. Not, yeah, yeah. And he's not this violent. Well, I mean, out, at least noticeably violent person um, that he actually is behind closed doors. It's like, that's chilling in and of itself, you know? Yeah. And it's like, not to not trust people, I think, but it's sort of like trust and verify. And it's hard to know in these situations, but I think this is why women also really like true crime of it all too, is to sort of like, mm-hmm take control over something that feels like they some of these women probably couldn't even help you know like yeah for sure you know they, they're 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 just being normal people normal yeah. people normal places normal things and so it kind of gives you a little bit more knowledge to maybe help out in certain situations that we wouldn't be suspecting absolutely people. well two weeks <laughs> right. after the gruesome halloween tack Alfred would strike closer to home than he ever had before. For several years, Alfred had been seeing 38-year-old Yvette Torres. The fact that he had been seeing a woman for several years is also shocking. (laughs) And you wonder what she's thinking, you know, when he's like out and about doing things. But you'd kind of be impressed how easy it is to like create this double life, especially depending on if your partner's asking the right questions or not, or wants to know the truth. And listen, that's not even talking about murder. Like, you know, listen, at this age, at this stage in my life, I know. It could be an affair. It could be drugs. It could be a lot of things. And you can't really blame the spouse for not knowing. I mean, oftentimes it's like, oh, did you have any idea? It's like, you know, if you're not really looking for it, it can be easy to not find it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, You know, and sometimes it's us not wanting to find it, right? So we're deliberately not looking in the right areas. But other times it's. Ignorance can be bliss. Now, on November 14th, he asked to spend the night at her house, to which she happily obliged. The two were drinking, doing drugs, when suddenly Alfred lost control. This is to his uh, girlfriend, I'll say, right. Yvette Torres. He attacked her, strangling her to death before fleeing the house, taking with him a video cassette player, which he admittedly later traded for drugs. So he's still heavy in his addiction. One of the most popular drug dens in Worthington Commons, as I mentioned before, was located at 65 Maynard Avenue. Now, the house was described as a brothel just full of drugs, prostitution, presumably people trading sex for drugs in these types of areas. Mm -hmm. Alfred would often, um, and sex work, you know, sex work, violent sex work. Alfred would often bring the items he stole from his victims to 65 Maynard to trade for crack. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. On February 1st, 1998, he found himself there looking to make a trade yet again when he met 38-year-old Loretta Daniels. Now, Loretta was also looking for crack at the time. So after Alfred made the trade, she offered to have sex with him if he was willing to share. Alfred agreed, and the two set out to find a place to have sex. Several blocks from the drug den, Alfred attacked Loretta. So now this is not just a matter of him being drunk and going overboard. This is obviously like a women thing, or this is something he's doing purposely. Yeah. and I think sorry. it's also, sorry, just going to say, to go back to what we were saying, like the different types of highs, right? Because he's like, maybe th- there's some sort of thrill. And we've heard this throughout other shows that we've talked about over the years where the killer gets off in a sense. That's his drug. To, yeah, to the to being in control to such yeah. a degree, which is like. And it helps him I tap find into it, that if he's fucked up. Yeah. And I find it actually the complete opposite. I think you're very cowardly to to do something like that. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's. That's yeah, and to do anything like this. Right. Um, so he attacks Loretta. He strangles mm-hmm. her to death, sodomizes her corpse, uh. once again, leaving behind crucial DNA evidence. Okay, so this is sort of the light at the end of this very dark tunnel. Mm-hmm. Tempted with how easy it was to find a victim, Alfred decided to try his look again at 65 Maynard on February 10th. So this is just literally 
10 mm-hmm. days later, essentially. After trading crack for some CDs, Alfred picked up a 42-year-old Rosemary Downs and went back to her apartment. Well, and before we even continue, I want to just mention, like, you know, we hear about the way police departments respond to sex workers, the homeless, homeless people, people, people yeah. without houses. Like they're a menace to society, like, not like actual humans. Exactly. And so you just wonder after how many bodies has it been at this point, if they're even paying attention to this stuff, because my hunch is probably not based on no, the fact not. that he's not getting caught in any way. Um, well, as Darren set us up here, those present at 65, 65 Maynard said the pair returned at around 11 p.m., presumably to buy more drugs shortly before leaving again. And this is, by the way, Rosemary Downs, which we're talking about here. They partied late into the night at Rosemary's apartment. But when she passed out, Alfred sprang into action. Mm-hmm. He tied her up. He raped her. And before he left, he shoved a sock in her mouth, which caused her to choke and suffocate. Now, this is again. Now we're seeing like a different type of thing, right? Like we kind of, it was kind of strangulation, some sexual horrific things going on. He's also, he's also necrophiliac by having, you know, sex with a corpse. And now he's doing something and, you know, the sock in the mouth, that's almost torturous in a sense, you know, like that's. Yeah, and I I actually misspoke because he is having sex with them when they're alive. So it isn't just a matter of killing them and then. Mm-hmm. going out he's just i think it's just a matter at of least one he, and yeah, yeah there terror. Was, yeah it was it's disturbing but dna evidence was retrieved from the scene and police noticed that similar um, sorry did you read the yeah. thing about his her son i did not thank you darren okay, for for My pointing this out i was jumping ahead i got too excited about hopefully justice coming down the line but yeah sorry so she had the sock in her mouth chalk uh caused her to choke and suffocate and the following evening tragically Rosemary's son arrived at the apartment to visit his mother, where inside he made the gruesome discovery of what happened to her. And that's at least the second time that's happened with his victims. Now, DNA evidence was retrieved from the scene, and police noticed that similar DNA had appeared at multiple other scenes. Okay, police, well... Like, let's go now. Let's get really on this. I mean, maybe they are. You know, we're just researching here, you know, decades later. But, you know, I want to hear more about that, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. Well, now fully convinced this was the work of a serial killer. Oh, oh, finally you got that going. The Springfield Police Department and the Hampton County Sheriff Department uh, made the collective decision to call the FBI for assistance. And I would agree. I mean, at this point, multiple bodies, horrific ways of dying. They're going to need somebody else, especially if this doesn't happen very often. They need backup. Right. They need help. A profiler was called in to examine the evidence to try to help police narrow down uh, their then leadless search. The profiler concluded, based on the evidence and patterns in the crimes, that the killer was in his 30s, worked a very detail-oriented blue-collar job, and was most likely black. Not okay. sure how they could land on all like on the race part, but I'm sure that is part of it. Maybe there's certain it might behavioral have just been things. A profi- behavioral things, or it might have been uh, the part of town that this yeah. was happening in. Well, or 65 something like Maynard, that. you know, maybe there's a certain demographic there's, that there shows up there. There could have been a there. reasonable, yeah. yeah, there could have been a reasonable thing for that. Thank you. It was suggested that it was um, a local to the neighborhood as the killer, sorry, that he was a local to the neighborhood as the killer was able to navigate the social scene effortlessly and without stir. Now, police had been convinced that their culprit was white as serial killers most commonly were Caucasian. You know, think about... Sure. All the stereotypical serial killers you can name off the top of your head, most of them are white men. 
The prof uh, the profile was dismissed actually due to this crucial factor, leaving the police once again with no real leads or suspects. That seems like a big mistake, but that's for another show. Anyway, the dismissal of the FBI profile very well may have been what allowed Alfred to get away with adding one more name to his list of victims. Wow. This time, however, it would be his last because on February 18th, Alfred strangled and murdered 37-year-old Joyce Dickerson, PA. I hope I'm saying that right. After not uh, being able to find her mother the following morning, Joyce's daughter began searching for her mother. Mm. Not sure exactly how old the daughter is, but nonetheless, um, you know, she's the mother's 37, so she can't be too old. Down the road, she found Joyce's car abandoned. The doors were unlocked with the keys still in the ignition. Inside the vehicle, she could see that the car had been ransacked and blood could be seen smeared on the driver's seat. I mean, this is worst case scenario. Could you imagine being, you know, let's not imagine it, I guess. Let's not even go down that road, but. I just my heart goes out to these children that have to sort of, you know, come upon their these horrific scenes. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And this doesn't even there's no not even a body uh, connected to this driver's seat yet. Well, she immediately ran to the police station to file a missing persons report. A search party ensued as police and neighbors scoured the area for any sign of Joyce. Meanwhile, investigators were canvassing the area to see if anyone had seen or heard from Joyce over the last couple of days. Police tracked down two women who said they had spent the evening with Joyce on the night that she went missing. They told investigators they had been hanging out in the nearby town of Hollyoak. I think that's how you say it. I with, think so. Yeah, with Joyce and a friend of hers, a man named Alfred, uh, Alfred Gaynor. Mm-hmm. Now, according to the two women, after going out that night, they were dropped off and Joyce left alone. Uh, they were dropped off and Joyce was left alone with Alfred. Enthusiastic with their first real lead, the hunt was on to find Alfred. And you kind of wonder, interesting that he used his real name. That's a given good point. Given he knew he was going to yeah. kill, you know, given he knew he was going to kill these people, mm-hmm. a little odd that he would use his name because he could almost could have used well, any name. I don't want to like, you know, this guy sucks. So I will just say he doesn't seem very smart. You know, like he's not no, thinking thank ahead. God for that. Yeah, thank God. Well, unless he is in terms of like, I'm going to not do any, you know, I'm going to not kill them the same way or not do sure. it enough, you know, so maybe, I don't know, but right. it does seem it's mostly about his control and, and crack addiction. Yeah. On February 27th, Alfred was brought in for questioning in regards to Joyce's murder. His fingerprints and DNA were collected, but testing would not be done until Joyce's body was located. Alfred agreed that he had spent time with Joyce because they're not connecting Alfred to other rapes and murders right now. It's just yeah, Joyce, okay? That's so, right. So Alfred agreed. He had spent time with Joyce and their two friends that evening, but he insisted that after the group returned from Holyoke, everyone, including himself, went home. He told police he was never alone with Joyce that night. He also told investigators that the last time he saw Joyce before she drove off, he told her he she could sell her earrings for drugs at 65 Maynard. Okay, that's weird detail. That's a weird detail to give. <laughs> um, then he walked to a nearby bar where he met up with an old coworker. He said the two had just a few drinks before his coworker dropped him off at his girlfriend's house shortly after midnight. Alfred's girlfriend was contacted, and according to her, Alfred had arrived at her house, at her house much later than midnight, which he had originally said, which is why... If you're going to give police details, you might not want to give them too much details because they're going to ride you for every single fucking detail when you what get it dummy. wrong. Yeah. Alfred's. Uh, so much, much later he arrives and she was asked to come into the station for questioning during which they did allow the two to speak. And Alfred desperately tried to convince <laughs> her that he had arrived at home at 1230, but she very <laughs> admittedly insisted that she just wasn't sure. 
Well, are they anything. recording this? I mean, I'm well, sure right. they have well, to. I mean, they have to be. They yeah. have to be monitoring that. It's not like she's a lawyer and he gets right. You know, client so, privilege or whatever. Right. And later that evening, after she left, Alfred's girlfriend called the station to inform them she was confident he had actually arrived home close to six a.m. That's a big discrepancy. I might not know I'd the exact say, minute, but the difference between midnight and 6 a.m., I would pretty much have a good idea about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. the fact that he said that is now going to really bite him in the asshole, hopefully. Mm-hmm. The co-worker Alfred claimed to meet up with would further dispute his story, but telling investigators he never saw Alfred at all that evening. So while I Alfred, think he said he should, Alfred, by the way, right there. Alfred. Alfred. <laughs> he really needs to get his alibis straight. Alibi yeah, let's Alfred try that. needs to figure it the fuck out. But yeah. while Alfred was unable ooh. to provide, us, ooh, provide <laughs> a solid alibi for the remainder of that night, Joyce's whereabouts were still unknown, so they had no choice but to let him walk for the time being. His freedom wouldn't last, however, Ugh. wouldn't last forever, however, because on March 11th, Joyce's body was discovered frozen in the winter snow, mm. approximately three miles from her home near a local restaurant. DNA was retrieved from her body and sent in for testing. American police departments started using DNA testing in the 1990s, but the technology was still limited and took weeks to get a Mm -hmm. complete profile uh, from any evidence. Yeah. So on April 10th, the results finally came back, literally a month after Joyce's body was found. Alfred Gaynor's DNA was positively identified on the body of Joyce, as well as the officer's surprise, the previously unsolved murder of Rosemary Downs. So Alfred was formally arrested for the two murders the very same day. I hate to make this comparison, but, you know, thinking about her body being found in the snowy banks you know like weeks or whatever later have you ever heard about i think it happens in central park and other i'm sure everywhere but especially central park you know bodies that have been like you know under the frozen water yeah, under and the then, thaw, whatever and then it like and then it warms up and then their right. bodies come to the surface and i was just like if i ever saw a body like that in central park i would just be scarred forever I, I mean, anybody, of course, no, but I would especially hate it. like kidding? that. <clears throat> yeah. Well, on April 30th, during a preliminary hearing, Alfred was attacked by the son of one of the victims, Rosemary Downs. Yeah, good. Yeah, right. Eric Downs became enraged at the sight of his mother's killer and attacked him in the middle of the courtroom. Yeah, good. I'm glad he did. Although Eric was charged with assault and held in contempt of court, which, of course, is just the process of that. But. I don't know. I I just see, you know, I've seen these on TikTok too, like people's family members of that have to face their family members. Um, I, I can't imagine. How? How? I, I can't imagine you have to do it. But at the same time, the criminal justice system is so specific that I would never want to ruin risk the potential or, yeah. risk, any sort of like sure. trial. Mm-hmm. So it has to just be this impossible that's a really good point actually of all of it and i'm not judging anyone for wanting to do that but it's just like you got to give yourself the best chance you know that's a good point no that's a really good point i hadn't i think i would just be so i mean i like to say i'm pretty good with my um with my emotions but it's like yeah i don't know because i've never had to deal with something like this who knows how i would feel in those moments anyway in 2000 further dna testing would link him to an additional two deaths, the murders of Loretta Daniels and Joanna Thomas. Uh, he was found guilty on all four counts of murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. In 2008, eight years later, Alfred confessed to five more murders, one of which had previously been considered closed. Hopefully no one was charged for that if he's truly he's the killer. It. Yeah. Yeah. He confessed to the killings of Vera Hallams, Jill Ermanelli, or sorry, Ermal- Ermalini, excuse me. 
Robin Atkins and Yvette Torres, as well as the death of 20-year-old Amy Smith. Amy Smith was found dead in her apartment on July 11, 1996. She had been severely beaten and strangled. Along with her in the apartment Mm. uh, was her four-month-old daughter, Destiny, who had died from dehydration and starvation after being left alone with her dead mother. I mean, I can't, I can't. Horrific details. It's like here last, today. E- last episode. I know. Last week I came, talking to Nadine, and I was like, it's fucking me up in the head. It's like, a lot. I can't think about this. Yeah. It's just so sickening and sad. It was a gruesome scene, which had been pinned on Alfred's nephew, actually, Paul Flicking. Paul had been charged and convicted for the crime in 1997 and had already served 14 years in jail. By the time his uncle chose to confess, my Alfred offered, I mean, how do they do this? If, if Alfred's truly the killer here, how did they get a conviction on this guy? Alfred offered these confessions in a plea deal with the county in exchange for an annulment of charges and a new trial for his nephew. Oh, God, this is so annoying. In 2010, Paul was retried and sentenced to 20 years for complicity in the murder of his girlfriend, Amy. By the way, we're now realizing it's his girlfriend, taking into account the 14 years he had already served. Paul was released from prison in 2016. Alfred was given an additional life sentence for each of the five newly revealed victims, which is, of course, great justice for them. Tragic all around, but at least they got some sort of closure and justice on those situations. During his trial, Alfred expressed remorse and guilt for his crimes. When asked why he waited so long to confess, Alfred said it was because he couldn't bear to cause his mother any more pain and refused to confess to anything while she was alive to see it. I mean, he couldn't handle it. Yeah, he of all people. Following her death in 2006, he felt obligated to finally come clean. Today, Alfred, Alfred Gaynor resides in the Massachusetts Correctional Institution in Norfolk, where he will live out the rest of his life. Alfred has used his time in prison to practice his artistic skills, focusing especially on painting. Who cares? He successfully sold his paintings for a while until families of his victims spoke up on the matter. Alfred continues to paint as a form of therapy, but keeps his artwork to himself. Yeah, I certainly have no problem with someone trying to rehabilitate themselves and become an additive to society. He's not leaving prison, but at least if he can help others or whatever, like that's a good thing. I mean, like I'll take the win. I don't want him out of prison or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I also don't think he should be making money from his paintings. But that's what I was worried about. You know, I do. I do think a form of therapy like there is something to be said for that. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, for sure. Interesting case, for sure. Very frustrating. Yeah, sorry it was so dark there at the end, you guys. But let us know what you think about it. Jay Thrasher at Carpe Darren. Hit us up in our Facebook group. And of course, you can DM us on Patreon and we will get back to you. Darren, let's go into our listener shout-out section this yeah. week. Yeah, well, last week we did a poll on Patreon asking everyone why they like true crime, and a week later, the winner with 33% of the vote is the motive. The now, motive. Our, fr- our friend Paula also weaned in on Patreon saying, one, profiling tools, everyone is a suspect. <laughs> uh, two, the psychology of what leads someone to such extreme acts, and three, the joy of hearing watching someone brought to justice. I'm a little embarrassed about this one, but it really does make me so happy to see these pieces of shit brought to, ju- brought to justice. I don't think you should be embarrassed about that. Definitely I think that, I think that closing a full loop on something feels good. Certainly when we can end podcasts like that, it also feels good. So. Hell yeah, absolutely. Well, Darren, also some listeners heard you talk about the women's soccer team on a previous episode, including last week or our most recent NMR episode where you can hear more about it. And our great friend Krista messaged us on Patreon saying, this message is for Darren mainly because I don't think John got up at 5 a.m. to watch the game. Correct. 
Yeah. I am obsessed with the U.S. women's national team, and I am completely crushed by what happened yesterday. I still don't fully understand it. A millimeter? What the fuck, she says. I still can't believe it. Also, Julie Etters. Ertz. 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 Oh, yeah, she, mis- Ertz. she misspelled yeah. it there. That's okay. Said it was probably the last time she would wear the jersey, which is very confusing to me. And all she did to get back after, after all she did to get back after having a baby and the Olympics being next year. I could talk about this all day, Krista says. And I'm anxiously waiting to hear all your thoughts. Well, I can just tell you I have no thoughts, but Darren, I know you do. Well, we talked about this a little <laughs> on NMR. I mean, it's crushing. You know, it's just it's just yeah. absolutely horrible considering we lost, I think, to Japan in 2011. Also in penalty kicks, guaranteed that was the final, especially because it was Megan Rapino who was doing I was so much to say. try and get women's just equity kind of there. Um, sure. Julie Ertz, I mean, listen, I think, especially when you're a mother, especially when you're a little bit older, especially when you've been through this, it's tiring. You put your body through so much. You're probably not around. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily blame her. I mean, this is kind of something that women deal with a lot more than men. And we also have to have the baby uh, as opposed to men. So I think prioritization right. is really key here. Um, it's just upsetting, but I also think on the uplifting note, think of how many more women's teams are in the world cup than when this originally started, how many more countries are just so inspired by the U S women's national team. And I think that that really has changed the game for so many countries. So even though we didn't win, I do still think we're holding a sort of the torch really, really brightly and really proudly. Yes. Progress was made. Yes. I totally agree. And I didn't mean to be flippant about it. I just don't really watch it, but I really do appreciate what the women's soccer team has done. Not just for women's sports, but sports in general, because I think a lot of men don't a lot of men that are big sports fans probably don't think that women are sort of like an equal on equal playing field, if that makes sense. So getting more awareness to women's sports in general is going to help everyone. Soccer, because we have a lot more wins than the men's do. Let me tell you. And a lot more viewership, I think. I think I remember reading about like women's the women's soccer team was bringing in way more viewers on television. Yeah. But anyway, if you have questions for me regarding Serena Williams, you can hit us up on Patreon. We may have a poll one day about Serena, um, and we will read your responses on air in a future episode. You can join today for as little as $5 a month, but uh, even cheaper if you sign up annually. Links are in the show description, or you can just simply go to patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed. We need to add a picture of Megan to our backgrounds. <gasps> we uh, do. So we'll have to do that or like some taxidermy thing in, or- in honor of her. So obviously, oh, yeah. one, two, three. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Megan. Megan. We got to add that to her. Everyone, thank you so much. Check out NMR this week. We'll be back next week with another new episode of Shaken and Disturbed. Check and your of course, freshies. Check your brake pads without pants. And apparently, you don't need a penis. We'll <laughs> see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.